A lot of prodigals in the room. A lot of, pro- a lot of you come home. Some of you are still prodigals, but you're here. You know, when I, I decided to preach on Luke 15, in which I probably preached on this text probably more than any text, or it's up there in the top five, because the story of redemption is so beautiful. And when I thought of this, when the Lord puts this on my heart, is, is we're kind of ending the Everyone Has a Story sermon series uh, today, but when he put the prodigal story on my heart, then he put Lance on my heart. And I know there are others that could have done a really an almost identical video to what Lance did in this room. But he put Lance on my heart, and I called Lance up. I said, would you, would you mind giving your testimony? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> but see, his testimony is going to raise the faith level of some people in here today. It's going to, maybe your prodigal isn't here. Maybe he is still out there. Maybe he is homeless or she. And you hear this testimony, this testimony gives you hope. Because you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been believing. You haven't seen it happen yet. Well, Jerry and, and, and Jan didn't see it happen for many, many years, but they continue to stay the course, trust God, and believe God for the results. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Again, this is one of my all-time favorites. And I titled this one, Happily Ever After? With a question mark. Happily ever after, because as we see this, we're going to see, well, it might not have been a great ending like we hoped it would be, but we're going to start out, and we're going to talk about will this morning, your will. Say, my will. Okay, Luke 15, chapter uh, 15, starting with verse 11, Jesus has already been telling some parables, and he tells another one. This is a parable. It's an it's a, it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's a good definition of a parable. Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. Say, two sons. Because a lot of times we just talk about the one. But there's two sons. The young one son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? <laughs> so he must have had some money. He said, give me, I want my share. So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. And shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and traveled off to see the world. And he journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge, say a binge. A binge of extravagant and reckless living. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that he had free will. There's not a person in this room that has not exercised your free will and it went against God's will for your life. Not one of you. God has this perfect will for you and you said, well, I'm going to do my will. I want my will to be done, not God's will to be done. And what you're saying then is I don't trust God with his will for my life. You may not be saying that verbally or even thinking, oh, I'm just, I just want to do my own thing, right? I just want to do my own thing. And so we do it. We call it a lot of different things, sowing our wild oats or, or, or you know, having our fun time in or, or doing what we're going to do until we get old enough, and then we're going to settle down. We're going to get married, and we're going to settle down. And, and we all have these plans, and God says, I want my will to be done in your life from this day, from day one. I want my will to be done in your life. And we say, well, God, I'm going to try my own way. And that's what this guy said. I'm going to try my own way. I want to do my own thing. And see, even to ask for your inheritance before your dad died was even, that wasn't even a good idea. But the dad says, here's the the dad. The dad says, you know what? I don't want to do this for you, but I'm going to give it to you. See, a lot of times we say, well, God says, I don't want to do this, but if you want to do that, I'm not going to stop you. You know why? Because you have what? Free will. 
free will. A lot of people ask me, well, why is the world in such a mess? Why, if God's such a good God, why so many things to all messed up? And it's because of free will. A lot of people make a lot of bad choices. And a lot of us are in here this morning, right? James 13, 1, uh, 13 says this, when you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. Quit blaming God for your mess that you got yourself in, okay? For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and he is never the source of temptation. Instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts. Say, my own desires. My own thoughts. That drag them into evil and lure them away into darkness. Evil desires give birth to evil actions, right? And when sin is fully mature, it can murder you. So, my friends, don't be fooled by your own desires, See, we, we like to blame the devil. We like to blame our parents. We like to blame our past, the past generations and all that stuff. It figures into a lot of, of the way we live our life. But listen, we can't. One of these days, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for ourselves and nobody is going to be standing beside you. And you can't blame this person or that person because God says, it's your own evil desires that have led you away. 1 Corinthians 10.5 says we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every, there's that word breakthrough, break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that, insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. So when he says we are led by our desires and by our thoughts, we think, well, that's my thought life. It doesn't matter. It matters. Everything starts up here, guys. The lust starts up here. The, the greed starts up here. The lying starts up here. You've already thought it out before you've done it. So he says, take captive those evil thoughts. Take them and take them to the cross. Say, God, this is not from you, so I give it to you. Deliver me from this. And you pull down these strongholds because they're not of God. But he gives you the power to do that. Say, so he gives me the power. Verse 14 of Luke 15, with everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. And the farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Oink, oink. The son was so famished, he was willing to eat. There's that word will. He was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. When Lance has given his testimony, which I hadn't heard in advance, Slopping the pigs to me would be like going from dumpster to dumpster in our, in our culture today. But here's the thing. First of all, God gives us free will. He exercised his free will to take, get away from his father and go do all that stuff that he did. But now he's got this free will, but now he's willing to eat slop. Didn't say he actually ate slop. It said he was willing to eat slop. You know what slop? I, I looked up slop. It is not good. <laughs> Anybody ever been in a pig pen? Raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. Woo. Suey. Suey. One time, my, my sister-in-law called me, and it had been a deluge. It was a downpour. They lived out in, in Fairview. You remember that, Mary Lou? And, she, and, and her husband was not there, and she said, I've got to move the pigs. I wasn't a pastor then. But I must have had a pastor's heart because I went. <laughs> and she gave me some boots. It didn't matter if she had gave me boots. The boots stayed stuck that much in that stuff called slop. It's, I don't think, I think the stink stayed on me for a month. 
So when, when I read this, and I think that he, he stayed in that, he, he lived in that, and he really wanted to eat the food, and listen, the slop, the food was, there's the slop, which is the mud, and then there's the food, which is kind of like the mud. It's the leftovers. So he was willing to eat slop. Listen, there's a saying, and I want you to get this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Did you hear that, church? Sin will take you farther. Listen, you're not saying, oh, I think, I think I'm going to live. I think I'm going to go and, and spend all my daddy's money. And then I'm going to go to work in a pig shop. Then I'm going to go work. I'm going to go take care of pigs. This was a Jew. Pigs were unclean. It was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest job that he could ever imagine having. But he didn't ever plan for that. How many of you know you didn't plan that when you took that first drink, you'd end up an alcoholic? How many of you know that when you took that first hit, that you would be addicted? How many of you know when you stuck that needle in your arm, you didn't know that that was going to lead to a lifetime of all that stuff, right? Devil doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you that. He's really sly. This will make you feel good. This will make you feel like a man. This will make it easier for you to talk to women. He gives you all these ideas of how life is going to be one big party. And you party right into rehab. You party right into prison. He had a lot of fun, man. He was partying, but the funds ran out. When the funds run out, the friends run out. And it says no one would even feed him a thing. Verse 17, humiliated. Anybody ever been humiliated? It's not always a bad thing. Sometimes we've got to be humiliated before we can come back to God or humbled. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought. You're looking at your teenage kids, and you're like, I wish you would do that. Think, right? <laughs> and he thought. It starts with your thought life again. And he thought. There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house, and I'll say to him, I love this because, man, he's got it all planned out. I'm going to go back to my daddy. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. One of your slaves, one of your servants. Just treat me like that. The next willing is you've got to be willing to repent. You've got to be willing to repent. That's what he's doing right here. He's repenting. The NIV says when he came to his senses. And I think it was more than just a sense of smell. He came to his senses. Came to the end of himself. How many of you, before you came to Jesus, came to the end of yourself? Stand up. You had to come to the end of yourself before you could come to Jesus. That ought to be everybody in here. Because you did. You can be seated. We just know the really worst of the worst now. The rest of them, oh, I was good. <laughs> just walked the aisle when I was eight, and I never did anything wrong. <laughs> Came to a census. How many of you have ever been so low as Lance Krauser was that you had to look up to see the bottom? Anybody? 
It's all over the place. I see you, Ann. We're going to pray for you after church. Okay. I think it was Tony Evans that said, when you hit rock bottom, remember Jesus is the rock at the bottom. You see, God will let you hit rock bottom. He's there at the bottom, but he will let you hit. Won't he, Lorenzo? He'll let you hit rock bottom. He'll let you. You know, we talk about, well, Dr. Phil must have invented tough love. No, Jesus invented tough love. You want a self-help book? Read your Bible. Here's the thing, church. Even if you get to the rock bottom, you still have free will. When you hit rock bottom, if you hit rock, hit, hit rock bottom, you still at that rock bottom place, you still got to make the choice. Am I going to repent? Am I going to run back to my father? Or am I going to see how much further down I can go? Because God will just let you go and let you go and let you go until you finally look up and say, God, I need you. I cannot get out of this mess by myself. I need you. But see, just saying that doesn't mean you've repented. You've got to say, God, I need you, and I'm willing to change the way I think about things. I'm willing to change my actions. I'm willing to let you change my heart. You've got to be willing to repent. Verse 20 says, so the young son set off for home. I love this story. I, I, I see these things like in, in a movie, you know. So the, so the young son, and if I did it in modern-day vernacular, it would be like he went to Las Vegas, and he got wasted and messed up and had all these women, and his money ran out. He's like, I got to get back to my daddy in San Angelo. I got to get back to my father. I know there's still somebody that loves me. So the young son set off for home from a long distance away. Listen to this. He saw his father coming. He saw his son coming from a long distance way off, dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who's returning home. And look what the father did. The father raced out to meet him. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him over and over with tender love. Why is it it so important that we see that the father saw him and ran to him? Because the father was looking for him every day. He's looking for you. There are some prodigals in this room. He is looking for you. He is coming to you. He's not waiting for you to come to him. He's running to you. If you'll just take one step, he will come running to you. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came after us. I've often wondered, God, why didn't you figure out a better way? Shouldn't, wasn't there a better way you could have, have saved the humanity besides sending your son? To die for us, and you know what God's answer was? I don't have to answer you. <laughs> That's just what I chose to do because I love you so much. He sent the, he saw his son every day. He probably walked out on his front porch, scanned the horizon. He probably had his, his other son probably said, Daddy's not coming back. Get back in the house. We don't even know if the mom, mom has probably passed away. It never mentions a mother, but we got the dad walking out every day looking for his son. How many of you know when your kids are away, you're texting them? You're trying to FaceTime them. When you can't get a hold of them, you're like, I don't know. I need to get a hold of them. Where are they? The 
Father races out to you. There's a song a long time ago, I remember it. It's called When God Ran. When God Ran. This is a picture of our Heavenly Father. But you've got to be willing to return. You've got to be willing to return. You're at the bottom of the rock, rock bottom. You've got to be willing to repent. Then you've got to be willing to return. That's the rest of repentance. You know that, don't you? You have to change the way you think. Then you have to turn around and start going the, the way that God wants you to go, not the way that you've been wanting to go. What if, what if, what if he would just decided, you know, I think I'll spend the rest of my life, I think I really enjoy these pigs. Nah, I'm getting used to the smell. You know, if you, work, if you work around something that stinks long enough, it doesn't stink anymore. Right? All these drugs don't, they're not bad. This doesn't taste like, oh, it's, I've developed a taste for it. I used to, I used to be tickled at people said, I said, man, I can't taste, I can't stand the taste of beer. Just like, I mean, I, I imagine what urine probably tastes like. And I was like, it's the same color. You know? <laughs> Cross the line. But, I, you know, I, I drank just because it was the cool thing to do, and I wanted to get a buzz. I wanted to be cool like the rest of the guys, but I never could stand the taste of it. And you know what I heard people say? Well, you have to develop a taste for it. Well, you know, I didn't have to develop a taste for cinnamon rolls. <laughs> this is good. I don't know. I'll try another cinnamon roll. That is not good. But maybe one of these days, cinnamon rolls will taste good. If you have to develop a taste for something, don't eat it or don't drink it. God's saying this is not good. Unless it's asparagus, it's okay. But think about it. He had a choice. He, he had a choice. I, I think I'll stay here. I'll do what Jews would hate for any Jew would hate to do, and I'll do this the rest of my life. See, some of you that are prodigals are stuck. In the pig pen today. Ooh. See, you thought this was going to be about, let's pray for a little joy that's not coming back to Jesus. Now, this is for you today. For see, some of you are stuck in the pig pen of life. You've settled for the less than that God has for you. You've decided, you know what? This is the best it's going to get, God. I guess you and me will just get through it. And that's not God's plan for your life. There's prodigals in here. You know what prodigal means? It means worldly. Some of you are just like the, the first, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about the worldly Christians, the prodigals, the people that were less, you know, they're just, they got one foot in the world, one foot in Jesus, you know. And you're, I've already, I've given this demonstration before. Here's what it looks like when you've got one foot in the world, one foot in Jesus. It's a very uneven walk. And it doesn't look very good. People think, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I love Jesus. But you know, I love, I love the world too. And he said, we're not supposed to love the world. We're in it, but we're not supposed to love it. And yet it just seeped in and it seeped in and it seeped in. And a lot of Christianity looks like the world now. Prodigals. Have you ever felt trapped this morning? Have you allowed your dreams to just fizzle out because you're stuck in the dumpster? You're eating the leftovers, and God says, come to the table. He says, come to the table. It's good. What I've got for you is good. 
You're good, you're good, oh, God, you're good, you're good. And we say, I know you're good, but I like the world. I think the world's pretty good too. Verse 21 says, then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. And I love how the Passion Translation does it. It says, he says, just let me, just let me. And the father interrupts, stop, son, stop. Quit talking. Have you ever had somebody, have you ever had to tell somebody, just stop talking? You had me at hello. <laughs> it's kind of like the dad said, you had me when I saw you coming over the hill, but you had me right then. And you, you never lost me. See, this is a picture of our Heavenly Father. Because see, the Son had His planned, prepared speech of redemption, of, of repentance. And the Father said, Son, you're home. You're home now. He didn't grill him. Where have you been? How much money you got left in the bank? What did you do with my inheritance? I'm sure by looking at his son, he pretty much knew that he had messed up by the way he was dressed, by the way he smelled. Sometimes when our prodigals come home, guys, we're the first to say, what have you been up to? Why have you failed? What did you do? And I love what Lance said. My dad said, the past is the past. The past is the past. He couldn't go back and get his money back. He couldn't go back and and undo everything his son had done. He just said, son, you're home. You're home now. You're home now. So he turned to his, his servants, and the father said, quick, quick, bring the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes you can... You can for my son. Bring out those Italian leather shoes. Yeah. Bring out the best. See, that's what our Father does for us. When we were in our, in our worst point of our sin, it says Christ died for us. He said, here's the robe, here's the ring, here's the shoes. Come home, just come home. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. And they lived happily ever after. I wish. The Lord put this on my heart to, to share it in this time that he was willing to be restored. On the, on the day the prodigal returned his father, that's the day that remorse met restoration. That's the day that guilt met grace because you know he was covered up with guilt. But the best one is that the day that forgiveness met forgetfulness. When you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I have messed up. I've, I've, done, I've, I've royally messed it up, Lord. 
And you say, just please forgive me. You know what he does? Not only does he forgive you, but he forgets. It's not like he has a bad memory. God's perfect. But he chooses to forget. The Bible says that he casts your sins as far as east is from west. Right? Or north is from south. He says he casts them in the sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more. We're the one that remembers them. Our friends, quote, unquote, friends remember them. Sometimes our parents remember them. But God says, I don't even know what you, you go back to them. Oh, God, you know that time back in, in such, such and such when I did this and, and, you, and I asked you, yeah, what are you talking about? I don't know about that. I forgot about that. You're, that's under the blood, son. Daughter, that's under the blood. And we, we go back and try to remind God of our sins. And he goes, hey, wait, wait, wait. My, my son died for that. His blood covered that. You're clean. You're clean. He says, I'm going to put a robe of righteousness on you. You know, our, our righteousness is as, I think it's like the sun is as filthy rags. Don't you know that his clothes were a mess? And his, son, and his dad didn't say, go take a bath. Let's go clean him up before I can put a robe on him, did he? See, we, like, we, want it, we want people to get cleaned up before they come to Jesus. That's like catching a fish that doesn't have any scales on it. It's already been cleaned can't do that that's God he said listen that would have been a great ending to the story hey party time son's home dad he's repented son's been he's, he's been forgiven and it's just time for a party bring the bring the let's kind of have a barbecue Going to have a good time. Verse 25. Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned and as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. He called over one of his servants and asked, what's going on? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. I, I, what about, what, we don't know the uh, inflection in the voices. You know, the Bible just doesn't do that. Maybe we can want to get to heaven and we can see the video. I'm going to ask. I am. I want to, see, I want to see it in color. I want to see it live. Jesus, you know, I just want that, that parable. How did they say that? The servant replied, it's your younger brother. That's how, that's how I interpret it. He's returned home and your father's throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. Your younger brother, aren't you happy? Woo! He's been gone. He's back. Your younger We've been missing him. He was so much fun to be around. I added all that. Lisa's back there going, where is that? I don't see that in Scripture. <laughs> and the older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. Hmm. Here again, look at this next verse. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Come and enjoy the feast with us. God is so willing to do it. He, he will go the extra mile to get you. He's, he, he wants you so bad to be a part of his kingdom. He didn't want you to live beneath your means. He wants you to live like a son of a king. Because that's who we are. We're sons and daughters of a king. Now, I don't know why they didn't go and, warn, and tell the son, hey, we're having a party and invite him. It's not like he just kind of found out about it from a servant, which is what he did. 
But I think the dad was probably just so excited he didn't even think about it. Man, my son's home. Get a party. We're gonna get the robe, get the ring, get the get the shoes. Man, what's it gonna be a party? He might have just forgot about his, his his other son out in the field. I don't know. But there's another will involved here. The other son was unwilling to forgive. Just as the younger son exercised free will to leave and go and blow all that money, this older son exercised his free will to be bitter, to be bitter, to be unforgiving, to be angry. Now, before you get, before you get all religious on, on me, probably most of us would have been upset too. I would have. I've been hanging out with my dad, working hard, working the fields, and my brother takes all the money and goes and just comes back, and here's daddy throwing him a party. I would have probably been a little upset. So let's just don't get too religious. Oh, I just don't I'd imagine he was. No, we had probably been, you'd probably thrown a fit too until you understood about grace. That's why our Heavenly Father comes to meet us in those times when we're jealous and we're angry and we're bitter and we're unforgiving, he comes out. Harold, got a little heart issue I need to talk to you about. You know that person that offended you yesterday? Yes, Lord. You need to forgive them. No, Lord. <laughs> yeah, Harold, you really do need to forgive them not going to go well for you if you hold on to that. It, it actually will affect your body. It will make you unwell in your body because bitterness just does that to you. Harold, you're going to forgive me? No, no, I'm going to hang on. I want him to suffer just a little bit. Anybody ever see somebody that, that you were very upset with and something bad happened to them and you weren't all that upset? If they could just suffer a little bit. But that's not Jesus. That's, that's not God. He's showing us right here who the Father is. Don't hold a grudge. There are people in here that you've judged people and you might need to admit it this morning, confess it, and then take care of it. Walking in forgiveness will go a long way in determining how your story ends. <laughs> because we're talking about your story here. We're not talking about this guy's story. Jesus told this parable for a reason. Verse 29. Then the son said, Father, listen, how many years have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son, and I've never once disobeyed you? That was probably not true. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you ever given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends. And this son of yours, as your son, this son of yours is doing now, Y'all notice that? Did y'all catch that? Not my brother. It's this son of yours. I think I used to say that about my brother. <laughs> Mom, that son of yours. <laughs> Look at him. He's come back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. He didn't know that, but he was just guessing. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. He was unwilling to recognize his own. You know what that means? Are we family or what? Yes. Yes. Oh, boy, that was a tough one. 
Are we family or what? Yes. Do we recognize everybody as family? Yes. It's a good answer. But sometimes we don't recognize them as our family. We consider them the outcast, the that one I want to stand at length from, I, that one I, that doesn't smell as good, that one that doesn't act as right. Is, you know, so we, we say we're family, but he was unwilling to recognize his own blood. This son of yours? He's not my brother. Phew. I can't believe you're treating him like that, Dad. Here's the deal. God makes a big deal out of prodigals that return. Did you know that? Earlier in this chapter, in Luke uh, 15, verse 7, Jesus continued in the same way. It's about the, about the lost lamb. He says, There will be a glorious celebration in heaven over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents, comes back home, and returns to the fold, more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. He talks about the coin that way. He talks about there's, there's going to be a party in heaven when one sinner repents. So God's like... Okay, if, if you're doing good and you're walking the walk, you're probably not going to get noticed so much as that person that's been in prison and they got out and they said, Jesus has saved my life and I want to give, I want to give glory to God. It's just that way because one sinner repents, angels are rejoicing and we should rejoice with them. Amen. Let's make a big deal out of prodigals coming home. Jesus did. He did. Verse 31, we're almost done. Then the father said, my son, you're always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your father, your brother was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. See, that's the father's will, that you come back to him. That's the father's will, that you come back and he can say, my son is back. My daughter is back. I know they've been living like hell. They've been living like the devil. But today is your day to come back to him. Today is your day to come back to him. Oh, you may look good. You may sound good. You may dress good. But you're not doing the deal that God's called you to do. You've got so sucked into the world and the lifestyle of the world that you're no longer praising God. You're no longer that testimony for God. People look at you and they can't tell you that. They can't tell that you've got Jesus in your life. Because you're a prodigal. You become worldly. Start looking like the world, smelling like the world, tasting like the world. You just look like the world. Listen, guys, we should look so different than the world. And we, we walk out here, people go, man, those people of freedom are weird. <laughs> they stop me and pray for me. They believe God can heal me. <laughs> they're, they're just crazy people. Oh. Let's stand.